a lot of waste in the world. I will have taught a lot of people a way to upgrade their skin, and I will have learned a ton about packaging, messaging, everything, and I will use it again for something else. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Amanda McIntosh, welcome to Hello Beauty. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. You're the founder and CEO of Take My Face Off, which is a Los Angeles-based company that creates reusable skin cleansing products. And you've been featured in Glamour Magazine, New Beauty, and Pop Sugar. And you have an exclusive line with Sephora Collection. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Great. So tell me, I did read that you were part of a Spanish orchestra. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. I started off life as a classical musician. How amazing. Um, Went to music school, did all that, wound up in Spain with an orchestra, um, and met my husband in a summer young professional thing in Boston, kind of in between seasons. And um, he and I hit it off. He actually followed me to Spain for a while. Uh, But ultimately, if you really want to do bigger things than classical music, you kind of have to come back to the States. So we did. And then I actually wound up working for my family's business process consulting firm. So it's like, well, I had a job. I feel like I should be nice and let my husband audition more because he's a fabulous musician. And so I was like, I'll get a day job. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of loved it. Yeah. And it taught me a lot about business. But then after he got a job in the Los Angeles Philharmonic, I was like, okay, I don't actually have to be the breadwinner anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I started doing other things, including this. Mm, Amazing. Although I do still play, actually. Yeah. What instrument do you play? Clarinet. And your husband? He's trumpet. Oh, that's amazing. I think the uh, next season he's going to be in those banners that are all over the city. You know, the ones that are like on the big uh, light poles and everything. Oh, my gosh. He's going to be one of the If you see a trumpet, it's probably him. Oh, cool. You know what? It's like I've been living in L.A. and I haven't seen a show yet by them. I need to. Yeah. Oh, tell me you're coming and we can get you backstage. Sometimes you can even meet like, you know, fun people. That'd be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So did you always know that you wanted to get into the beauty industry? At what point did you decide to get into the beauty industry? No, I don't know if it never occurred to me or if I just didn't think it was serious enough, but I've always loved makeup and skincare. And then as I got older, I wound up with terrible, terrible skin. And so my, you know, it was fun. And then it was kind of like, well, I got to cover all this up. And then you can't put foundation on without kind of balancing it out with your eyes and your eyebrows and all that. And so it was, it was creative and necessity. Mm-hmm. And then the skin kind of worked itself out, which is a weird story. Um, did a number of things. And as I got older, I actually kind of got sick and tired of looking at the world of consumer products and feeling like there should be a this, that, or the other. And in about three, four years, somebody would come up with it. I'm like, oh, well, they're thinking about the same thing I was. And seeing that happen a lot of times, uh, it turned out that I'm pretty good at predicting trends. It helped me with my uh, 401k for my uh, retirement account, a lot of things like that. It turns out that I was good at noticing things that would happen a little ahead. And so when I had this crazy idea, I was driving home from a concert one night. My best friend had turned me on to oil cleansing. Mm-hmm. Strange, but it's awesome for oily skin. You have to use a washcloth. Um, all my washcloths were in the laundry, and I was like, Ugh, I can't bear, I can't bear to wash my, I couldn't bear to wash my face with anything other than oil now. But you have to wipe it off. What am I going to do? They're dirty. This is gross. Do I use a paper towel? No, it's terrible. And then I thought, this is stupid. The reason I don't have more washcloths is because I can't find anything I like. And every time I go online or at a store, all I can find are these disgusting microfiber or bamboo or cotton things, and they feel terrible. Why aren't we using nice fabric on skin? So that was kind of the beginning. And then this whole 
I think I'm probably a little okay at uh, predicting some trends made me think, why not this time just try it yourself? Walk me through the process of creating the product and actually choosing the fabric and textile and the manufacturer. Oh my gosh, I will try and shorten that as much as I can. It's a story of pain and suffering. <laughs> no. Um, first it was, well, we want to find a fabric. But if you go and you try and look at traditional bath textiles, it's all varying types of uh, cotton, terry cloth, all, just like from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. And so I was, it was like, okay, well, let's get creative. What are some really soft things out there? And I spent way too much money just trying to find a million soft things and finding out what they did when wet, finding out what they did when, with cleansers, with oils, whatever. And I settled on this one. Mm -hmm. And then I tried, tried to find professional pattern makers um, who could help me make it pretty. And over and over again, I was really frustrated by what they came up with. That is a really hard material to sew. I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. In the end, I wound up having to buy multiple professional factory grade sewing machines, learning how to use them and teaching myself pattern making after six different pattern makers didn't work out. Mm -hmm. They also told me it was going to cost five to $10 to make each one. So I came up with a crazy new pattern that's mm -hmm. kind of like paper dolls that it's a weird thing. And then I had, luckily I spoke Spanish because the factory was like, literally, we don't th make things like that. We don't make things like that. I'm like, we'll just try. And after I argued everybody down in Spanish, they finally tried and we were able to produce it at a price that we can just about afford to make. It's so weird to me how many people out there in very established positions do things one way and they never want to do it any other way. And I, to me, that would just be like the death of me to never try anything different. But there are a lot of people in the world that way. Yeah. And the world works pretty smoothly that way. So I have had to learn to be obnoxious in a million and one ways. The business just taught you how to like keep going, have that tenacity. And the greatest thing about beauty is that there's not one way to do it, which is good because I knew nothing about lots of areas. And I don't know anything about, I didn't, now I do, factories and, and textiles and manufacturing. Um, but just over and over again, I dived in and did whatever seemed right, even if I was clearly using the wrong terminology, even if I was clearly mm -hmm. doing it the wrong way, it eventually just inured me to it. Yeah. And I keep doing it, and sometimes it works out great. Yeah. How did you find your manufacturer? Just go to like downtown and just walk door to door. I'm like, who can make this for me? That was another rough one. Um, somebody, one of the pattern makers that I worked with, one of the great things about her was she did have some knowledge of, she's like, find the cutting house first, then find the factory. Back then, it's getting better now, but back then, whopping three years ago, none of the good factories listed online. Like, they just mm. didn't. Mm. And so it was this weird labyrinthine way, and nobody wants to tell you who makes their clothes because it's like their little professional secret. Mm. Um, and so there were like old websites with old dead phone numbers, and I called a million, and one day this guy called me back, and he was like the fourth. Uh, the others were either dead or they wouldn't work with me. Um, and finally they would, and they're a really lovely factory, and they make clothes for lots of wonderful companies, and mine. Oh, yeah. So you bought your own machines. You were making them yourself at first? No. Um, well, at the very beginning, because mm -hmm. I couldn't, I had, to, I had to prove that it could be done, mm -hmm. that you could make that shape right there, which seems innocuous. Yeah. Now everybody's telling me that's literally not possible. So I was like, I will find a way to make it possible. Yeah. So I did. It took a while. Um, and then I had to convince the cutters to do it. And so I still have those machines. They're kind of like a trophy. Mm -hmm. You know, that I all, just even finding the company to sell it to me and like which one to buy and then how to use it. And you're not even supposed to adjust it unless you're a machinist and like figuring out the manual in Japanese. They're trophies. They're really big trophies. Um, and then when I de develop new things, they're sitting there for in case I want to play around with the, the new patterns. I think I will always try that myself because as we have discussions with some factories in China who might eventually make it for us, I'm able to ask incredibly specific questions. Mm -hmm. And I suspect I will be able to get my cost down even further by saying, but you weren't doing that. Why not? Because mm -hmm. you actually went through the process yourself. 
I actually know the exact machine and how and why. And if you tell me it's not possible, I can mm-hmm. sometimes nudge you towards, yes, it is possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this material. What is it? <laughs> I used to think it was a big professional secret, but now I've realized that it's oh, so yeah. expensive that nobody's going to copy it. <laughs> it. It's not a yeah. problem. It costs too much. It's yeah, a yeah. super, super fancy Korean baby material mm. for baby blankets. Baby blankets. It lasts forever. It does, yeah. it does not shed. It, it never changes, and it's almost entirely bleach resistant. Mm-hmm. So people who use Proactive can use it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. discolor. Yeah, you could use it for toner as well, right? Yeah, I love it for that, especially the small one is mm-hmm. really great. We're coming out with some other ones that are kind of more obviously geared towards toner, because mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, I put toner on this. They're just used to like a cotton ball, and yeah. so this is a bit of a head scratcher for them, even though it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it took me a long time to find the one that was so soft, but behaved the way I wanted when it came into contact with the cleansing fluids. Mm-hmm. And what I love about them is it doesn't absorb much. So you save, yeah. you don't absorb as much cleanser. It's super smooth across your face mm-hmm. using less of that. You wash the whole thing. Ultimately, it, it saves a ton of money. And of course, the whole trash issue. It's the re-education of the use of like, you know, cleansing wipes and cotton balls. Cause at the same time, like me, myself, I am guilty of using like cotton balls. Like that's what we grew up with, right? Just remove the makeup. And then when I was trying this, I was like, this is interesting. It's like a new feel to my skin, but it's definitely less rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because it's, it's so much softer and it's so much less abrasive. And then there's the cost aspect and then there's the waste aspect, but it's really hard to get people to realize that there's a different way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no, there's no competition out there for cotton balls unless you're looking at at cotton squares. Mm -hmm. There's cotton squares, there's muslin pads, there's rounds, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it doesn't occur to people that even if it's better, it might be the, the thing you could use instead. This ridiculous idea in my head this morning. I get a lot of ridiculous ideas. Yes, I love ridiculous Of like ideas. a model <laughs> in a, a white wig, like you're rocking back and forth in a rocking chair, like pretending to be old. When I was young, we used to use cotton balls and wipes, but luckily now you guys know better. Which is, of course, the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. No, I will never actually make a commercial like that, but it made me laugh. Yeah. And I was like, when I was a kid, we thought that plastic grocery bags, bags were more environmentally friendly because it wasn't cutting down a tree. Mm-hmm. Now we know. Yeah. And if we use the plastic bag, we're kind of like, oh, sorry, I forgot to bring my bags. Um, it takes a long time to change minds. It takes a long time to spread information. Eventually, we will realize mm-hmm. lots of things we're doing are kind of yeah. wasteful. But I think now's the best time to get into that because everyone is really into like the green beauty and like everyone's accepting of it and they actually are open to new products that are just more like environmental friendly and they do soak up a lot of information. And the more information they know, the better it is. It's the same thing about like the the soy, you know, back in the day, like, oh yeah, soy milk. And now it's like, oh, soy milk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just because of information, the spread of information that it's just really like taking over the world, which is a good thing. Same with the beauty industry. I think you're right. I'm I'm extremely lucky. And and for me, my sentiments are kind of on the clean beauty side. I love that stuff, I I love it. Um, And so, some people don't see us as belonging with that because they're like, but you're colorful and you're polyester. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, let me explain to you why. Yeah. Um, but I love that. And I love that people are so curious right now. There's so much change going on. Yeah. And I think in the long run, it is environmentally friendly. You don't produce as much trash, less yeah. carbon footprint. Yeah. Our, our things, we looked at a lot of hemp's and bamboos and cottons, but they fall apart so fast mm-hmm. um, that we literally did the math. And based on the big Swedish study, I think right now, we don't really know how green our, our products are because my earliest prototypes look brand new. So mm-hmm. I don't know how long they last. So mm-hmm. I can't really do the math completely until I know. But right now, they're probably one-seventh of the carbon footprint of if I made them from organic cotton or hemp. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though organic cotton and hemp 
are, are greener to make, they still use a lot of resources. And so we're preventing you from having to buy all those new ones. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? There's and more to it than that, but yes. that's the basic. Yeah, that's true. And organic in general, it's like sad to say, like the healthier the products or in food in general, the more expensive it is than the non-organic. Right, so yeah. people will still tend to go for the non-organic products or cotton balls, the cheaper ones, because at the moment it is cheap and more economic friendly for them. Economic meaning like for their pockets and their wallets, right? Yeah. yeah. I really look forward in the future to making some more products that are lower cost mm -hmm. and that are still reusable. Um, and we've got lots of plans and things, but we've got more manufacturing methods to figure out before we can put those into motion. Yeah. So, but we, we hope it's kind of like the beginning of a whole long line of none of that has to be trash. There are a million ways to do better things for your skin that mm -hmm. are reusable and ultimately way cheaper. Yeah. And I did read that you had like an interesting response on how people use your your, your product. Tell me about we that. Some of the funniest things. <laughs> I was I was talking to a, a great company that it might be a manufacturing partner for us at uh -huh. one point. And he was like, I love this for detailing my motorcycle. <laughs> like really, it's like you totally got to market these to motorcycle people. I'm like, I'll get on that soon. As soon as I have time to learn about the motorcycle industry. <laughs> but a lot of friends use them for their dog's ears. Mm -hmm. And I really would love to make a MIDI for pets. But again, we, we have so much to do and only mm -hmm. so much time. But yeah, uh, sensitive doggy ears are a big one. And then we actually intend to do a baby one pretty soon because mm -hmm. strangely, there are no soft baby washcloths. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's a lot of chemicals as well. Wipes and Oh, so wipes. Just, yeah, yeah, we're, we're thinking just more stri the straight up washcloths yeah. for bath time. There's still really coarse terry cloth oh, mm. and that's silly. Yeah, so that's crazy. Cause like I've tried using it, um, cause I do, um, extend like my, my skincare to like my chest my mm. shoulders mm -hmm. it does feel nice like on the body yeah so it's kind of great like right now um i actually am getting over a sunburn a little bit and i it, it does a great job of kind of removing some of the, the stuff that flakes off a little bit mm. without being aggressive okay. i i didn't realize this for a long time but i tend to have slightly fake flaky skin mm -hmm. i don't have flakes anymore when i use these but i'm never abraded um, it never, it's never aggressive, but it takes off the tiniest bit. So it's kind of, I don't, I don't advertise it as an exfoliator, but it's, it's that perfect medium of cleanses just enough and takes off the dead cells. Yeah. And gentle exfoliation. Cause sometimes like people go crazy with their exfoliating. It's like they really oh, rub hard. Dear, yeah. At least this one has like a gentle feel to it where even if people that don't have the lightest hands, they can still use it and be gentle on their skin. <laughs> You're unlikely to hurt yourself with a midi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel for the people uh, who are going to later have like sunspots and stuff from all the crazy over exfoliation. Mm -hmm. Eek. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's a lot of information out there to just take care of our bodies, huh? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's complicated, but fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And more, you know, avenues for um, uh, like experiences and avenues for people to get into. Definitely. Yeah. Tell me about the finding the funding to produce your first product. Oh my gosh. Um, for a long time, it was just kind of like, how much money do I have in my bank account? Can I afford more fabric? Can I afford this sewing machine? Mm -hmm. And like digging into things that I, I didn't realize I had or you know, retirement accounts in some, in some points. I had some amazing support from my family. They're kind of used to me being the crazy person. They're all very smart business people and I've always been the crazy musician. And then when I thought I'd do this, they were like, okay. And so they've contributed a bit. And then um, after the Sephora thing happened, and there'd been some other wonderful interest from lots of other great companies, a friend of mine who, my, our kids go to school together, she'd been just politely listening to what I said. She's like, you know, I run a hedge fund. Um, can we get involved? I said, what? What do you mean? 
And so she started uh, talking about ways to get some investors involved and how much we'd need and why and, you know, uh, exit horizons and stuff like this that I knew nothing of. So she is now my CFO, and I could not be luckier to have such a smart, resourceful um, person who has the exact same tolerance for risk that I do, which is kind of a lot. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of fun, and she provides a lot of the information that I know nothing about. So she's getting us ready for the next level of funding That's as amazing, well, yeah. which is going to be even bigger and scarier. So yeah. I've got lots more things to read. Yeah. Um, it, but it's really because there was that proven interest from some very major players. Mm -hmm. And so our trick now is to get it to more people, get more sales happening, prove that we have momentum mm -hmm. um, so we can get to that next phase. Yes, that's cool. I mean, you really need that someone to do like the business side of it because you are like the creative, the idea, the brains yeah. to it. I actually do the majority of the uh -huh. business side. Um, she provides like certain types of insight that I just I know mm -hmm. nothing about. She yeah. prods me to think about things in a new way. That's she true. she still has a day job and a half, frankly. Mm. Um, and so she helps me. She teaches me. She provides guidance. I do look forward to someday doing more of just the creative side. Mm -hmm. But until then, I wear every possible hat. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm going to get into. How do you juggle creating a brand and, and you know, just having time for yourself and your family? Oh, gosh. So I have, um, do you know those calendars called passion planners? No, I don't. I am a total fanatic passion about mine, planners. although I don't always follow it. So it's this uh -huh. calendar that just does a great uh -huh. thing where it has you go through some exercises of where do you want to be in three oh. months, six months, mm -hmm. a year, all that stuff. And then what do you need to do to get there? Is it a notebook um, or an app? It's uh, an actual physical notebook uh -huh. because for me, I just have so many, so many emails hit me every morning. So many things are going on. I'm like in a snowstorm every day yeah. and I need to stop. And so I don't use every aspect of the passion planner the way I should. I would be more effective if I did, but I sit down every day and I try to separate the urgent from the actually important. There are a couple of things that are actually urgent you actually have to do. And then I try so hard, especially, especially when I don't feel like it, to do the things that will actually get me where I need to be. It's like, what is the biggest shortcoming in my business right now? And what can I do today that will get me on the path to getting where I need to be? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's focus at least an hour on that. And then, of course, I have little Austin children who are like, Mom, mm -hmm. I need a snack. I'm like, right. Um, so it is challenging, but it's that it's that every single day, literally, sit down again and go, what, okay, what, what's the, the focus? What needs to happen? What's the priority? What's, what's, what's the thing that everything hinges on? that let's do that for a while let's ignore the emails let's turn the phone off whatever mm -hmm. um and the days which are most days that i managed to do that i feel so much better at the end if i let myself get lost in the emails mm -hmm. or the other tasks at the end of the day i feel like i was just busy and i did nothing yeah you know makes sense and it means that i don't answer every email and i feel terrible but mm -hmm. there's only one of me until i have an assistant yeah <laughs> so. and it's like a it's a marathon not a race yeah and work's always going to be there and mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of people not really fail but they kind of forget because of course they want to you know they want to achieve so much they want to do so mm -hmm. much for their business but it's you you know you are your greatest investment and if you are not functioning then your business is not going to function yeah yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are definitely some nights where instead of staying up super late to work, I just go to bed. Some, I, you know, luckily I read a lot and then sometimes I'll just sit and watch TV. And I used to feel guilty about it, but um, I'm, you know, easily working 70 hours a week. Why would I feel guilty about taking an occasional evening off? That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I have to because mm -hmm. I've been doing it for three years and I would really like to be doing it for at least another 10. Of so if not longer. Yeah. Although I've got ideas for my next companies. Ooh, that's amazing. We're excited to hear all about that. So um, what are the hurdles that you face creating this, this brand, Take My Face Off, and how did you overcome them? Um, for me, it is how to communicate something that people have never thought of before. 
it, you know, I look, I jealously look at so many beautiful brands that are able to take stock, cheap, yet cool and minimal bottles that just already exist and buy them super cheaply by the caseload and put their beautiful formulations in there and put a really minimal, cool label on there and just sell it. Because people have an immediate understanding of what skincare cream is, of Mm -hmm. eye cream, of neck cream, toner. They know what that does. They know what it is. You have to tell them why yours is different and you have to be beautiful because it's it's no fun to own if it's not beautiful. But how do I tell people a cotton ball replacement, a washcloth upgrade, how do I get them excited about it and how do I show them how to use it? I struggle with this constantly. It is something I will always be working on and getting better at. It means packaging, it means messaging, it means website. And literally, there are so many days I feel like I'm failing on every one of those points. And I go, okay, which is the worst? Let's work on that one today. And then how to, how to fix all of it without the, all of the fancy methods and the fancy branding agencies and all of the things available to me. How to do it. I mean, we have some funding, but still, we really have to watch those dollars. So it's, it's how, how to send that message. I am lucky because I feel like ultimately in discovering how to introduce people to something entirely new, I will have won a truly worthwhile battle. Mm-hmm. I will not have just drummed up great interest for a new eyeliner, as much as I love new eyeliners. Um, I will have really created something different. I will have hopefully reduced a lot of waste in the world. I will have taught a lot of people a way to upgrade their skin. And I will have learned a ton about packaging, messaging, everything. And I will use it again for something else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes I feel like I have set myself the most absurd mountain to climb. But man, when I get on the other side, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you're in it for the long haul. Absolutely. Not for just for like just now in the trend, you know, Mm -hmm. because trends disappear. Yeah. 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 So that's good that you have like that mindset and at the same time. What are your um your plans for the future for Take My Face Off? Do you plan on getting cuz I know you have your skincare right now which is this amazing apricot kernel oil. Mm, so yeah. this is like a, a start of it. Do you plan on getting into skincare, expanding your brand into skincare? As much as I would kind of love to do more, I have a gut feel that that's not the best idea. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other people doing that extraordinarily well. Um, there was an opening, nobody was offering like my favorite oil in the world, mm-hmm. um, and it was a great companion for our product. So we're doing that one. If I come up on another one that I feel there's a real gap for, we will do it. But we meanwhile have so many different fabric-based or fiber-based products that we have major partners interested in um, that are totally different from this. Some of them are more photogenic and more Instagram ready. Some of them are less so, and they're more drugstore ready. Um, I feel like that is the bigger opportunity. I feel it's the area that nobody else is in, and I want to give myself a head start. So that's primarily what we're working on. We also have a lot of patents pending, and um, it would be smartest of us to go ahead and get some products that that use that intellectual property because it it, um, increases the perceived value of our brand, makes it easier for us to attract uh, investors and things like that. Investors, yeah. um, Was it hard to pick your investor? You know how sometimes it's like a relationship? Um, I spent a long time thinking about that and talking to people about what I should be looking for in the next group of investors because I'm very afraid of making, I'm super um, open to risk, but I research things before I take the jump. When I take the jump, I am all in, but before then, I think a lot. So I'm thinking a lot about this next step. The first one, it was really easy because it's my CFO, Jennifer. She is amazing. Um, And the money she was bringing had very few strings attached. It was just kind of like, do what you can with this, give us a good return. Um, and she is just such a, a fabulous person and a fabulous business person. Um, she's, she's the primary thing that comes with it. The rest of them, they're kind of, they're not really interested in giving advice. Um, so it was a very easy decision to make. And luckily, I will have her helping me decide, you know, the next group of people we get involved with. 
good. So I think I think with all this thought, we will we will avoid some of the mistakes that we've watched some other beauty companies make. I hope. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so what do you do in your spare time? I want to learn more about. You still play the clarinet? I do. I get really lucky. Sometimes I still get to play with Los Angeles Philharmonic. Oh, I got to go on their last couple of tours. Uh-huh. We were in Europe this spring. It was great. Oh wow. Um, some clarinet. I don't practice enough. Uh-huh. I'm teaching my kids cello and uh, violin with the help of their professional teachers. I read a ton. Mm-hmm. I am a massive bookworm and uh, business books, but a lot of fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I try and do some exercise. I try in the winter and ski, things like that. And then just pondering what, what I'm doing for the next companies. I, I spend a lot of time in my head, staring yeah. at walls. My husband's like, what's going on in there? You've been quiet for a long time. Like thinking. Oh, you know, that's good. I mean, what's your favorite book right now? I'm such a nerd. Yeah. Um, one of my, my major favorite book is Jane Eyre. I literally also keep a copy of that and Pride and Prejudice by my bedside. Oh, yeah. And I've read each of them at least 30 times. And I'll just pick <laughs> it up in the middle. I'm like, oh, I never noticed how genius that line was. <laughs> so then I go on binges and reread everything by, by authors like that. Um, the most beautiful book I ever read is called A Suitable Boy. It's by Vikram Seth. Oh. And it's about a story of a young woman in 1950s India. And it basically it's exploring caste and religion. Mm-hmm. And it's going through all of these different groups. And it's explaining to you of all the choices she had, why she chose to marry the man she did. Oh. Um, and it's the most beautiful, stunning thing ever. So that's, that's probably my favorite book. Yeah, I need to get a copy of for Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, yeah. yeah. It's really good. It's really good. Vikram Seth. Yeah. So here at Hello Beauty, we have a motto. It's say hello to the beauty in you. What's your advice to those that are trying to discover their beauty within? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, first off, this is really practical. Get yourself the most varied collection of Instagram people to follow possible. Make sure that you're not um, following only one type, especially if they don't look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I made an offhand comment when I was 19, and I realized later that it was right. Somebody said, I was talking about some famous model. Let's pretend it was um, Cindy Crawford. I don't know. Yeah. I said, oh, I used to think she was the most beautiful woman in the world, but now I've changed my mind. I was, I was being flippant. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, why? I'm like, because she doesn't look anything like me. <laughs> and I knew someone I thought looked more like me. And that's not really how I think. But now I'm like, you know what? That's actually a very good way to think. First mm-hmm. off, don't have an idea of what you think is prettier. Uh, spend time looking at, at makeup tutorials for ideas and for creativity. And then spend most of your time thinking about what's pretty when you're looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. Find something about yourself that you love and celebrate it and keep it in mind. No matter what else you see in the world, I have spent much, way too much time in my life thinking that I wasn't good enough because I didn't look like this, that, or the other. And I can sit and I could, I could talk for three hours on all of my flaws, um, but who cares? It's so much more fun to go through the world not being embarrassed about how you look and celebrating how you look. And it, everybody says it and it sounds so surface, but if any, any path you can find to find the things about yourself you love and then like grow that thought. Mm-hmm. is good. And if it's through people on Instagram who look more like you, if it's through not looking at Instagram, if it's through wearing more makeup, if it's through wearing less makeup, whatever it is, do whatever makes you feel better and then spend more time there and like literally grow that seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about Instagram. So do you really curate the people that you follow that's filled with people that inspire you, not just physically, yeah. but just, you know, I guess other business women or like companies? Absolutely. At the beginning, I spent a ton of time. I'm a student of Instagram because Mm -hmm. I constantly need to learn how to do it Mm -hmm. better. Um, I have an amazing social media manager, but she can only do what she can with the content I give her. Mm -hmm. And I'm in charge of that. So I have to create better content. Um, So I I spent a lot of time trying to follow all the big names 
from cosmetics to, to influencers because I needed to learn more about them. Um, and then after a while, I felt like, okay, I've got, I've got the basics, you know, after two years, maybe a year. And then I noticed that some people, it made me feel worse or something about the them same. felt so insincere. Mm -hmm. It just it seemed ridiculous. And who, who literally mm -hmm. spends all day in a negligee? Is, is that really yeah. natural that this is just how you woke up this morning? Oh, come on. <laughs> and I, it doesn't add anything to my life to see that. Yeah. So I started removing the ones that didn't either teach me something or make me feel better. And then I noticed there was a type of entrepreneur, because I follow a lot of entrepreneurs for inspiration, who it always felt like every post was a humble brag, you know? And that started making me feel, again, like I'm not cool enough, right? Don't do enough, or I'm not enough good retailers. And so I was like, you know, I feel like maybe I've learned, I'm going to learn from those. And I, I exit those. And then I try to add new ones that I haven't seen before or that prompt me to think something I haven't thought before. And it's a constantly evolving roster. Yeah. Same way with me. Like when Instagram started, I was like going crazy. I follow everyone. Everyone's beautiful. All these brands. Like I just followed so many people. But then I found myself just getting lost. And I'm like, I don't think this is the person that represents me in a sense. So slowly but surely, I started cleaning out the people that I follow, people on my friends list, just to kind of just filter it off because I was just so I place importance in like what I see and what I absorb during the day because like that's gonna affect like my creativity my business yes. it's your mental diet yeah. you want to be healthy exactly so everything that I follow now is really what inspires me and I think it's it's been working and I, I do also notice that what you're talking about how like this humble brag and at the same time just like more of the physical attributes that they want to show off I think it's a trend though in Instagram it's like a, it, it kind of compelled like people to kind of like oh this is what I do and it's like they feel like they have a purpose to kind yeah. of just give their advice to everyone it's pretty interesting actually like everyone's turning into like a yeah. advice guru in right, a sense or an inspirational guru and i don't it's an interesting world i don't mean that you shouldn't look your best or yeah. or, or brag or like be happy about yeah. something great that happened to you but you know there's like a, a mix you mm -hmm. know what i mean and when everything you see from them is only the humble brag or mm -hmm. is only the the you know slit up the thigh yeah. or is only the you know what i mean mm -hmm. it starts feeling like well how, how much am i yeah. getting from this really yeah. So. At the end of the day, it's also like, what's the purpose of yeah. that, you know, in a sense. So it's really, yeah. um, it's also good, like, you know, you having kids, it's going to be difficult to kind of educate that to them. I know. Actually, you know, I have to spend so much time on Instagram for work, but I don't want them looking at what I'm looking at. Yeah. Because there are a lot of, <laughs> a lot of women that I don't necessarily want my six-year-old to be modeling herself after, mm -hmm. and that I don't necessarily want my uh, eight-year-old son to be seeing as normal. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's very true. Um, and, and lots of them are perfectly healthy and wonderful versions mm -hmm. of, of amazing people. Yeah. But some of them, it's just not its mm -hmm. not who they're going to see in their everyday life. I yeah. don't want them to model their ideals after that. And so I kind of like try to hide it mm -hmm. if I'm looking mm -hmm. at it and um, yeah. try to be like, what's that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's just this what's weird that? advertisement I just saw. I don't yeah. know. It's nothing. Or I think it's also the tricky um, balance between of educating kids that – this is just like the Instagram world. That's not reality. Yes. You know, so, that that's mm -hmm. a message that I'm going to have to be really good at giving them, the, especially the six-year-old's a little bit too young to understand the, mm -hmm. the distinction, but the eight-year-old is old enough. Mm -hmm. Your eight-year-old's yeah, the daughter or the son? The six is uh, the daughter. Eight-year-old is the son. Mm -hmm. 
and she is much more attuned to how things look in general. He's less of a visual person. So yeah, I'm gonna have to get really good at explaining that and because I'm, I'm always going to be around these images. I can't pretend that that's like not part of yeah. life or not important. And that's the it world is. we live in now and especially their future as right. well, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't want them to be the kinds of kids who never get to see media because there's a lot of richness and then mm -hmm. like participating in society, of course you're gonna let them see yeah, that stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many like, you know, like things that we have to filter through life. But I think just having like a great mom, you know, you just have to like weed through that on a daily basis. <laughs> You, you never like really know like what's the right thing. I look at some of the movies that my friends, um, my kids' friends can watch, and I'm like, whoa, that's way too advanced for my kid. And and I, I feel like am I a bad parent? And then like I let them see something a little scary, and I'm like, oh, I'm a bad parent. It, mm -hmm. it, it's hard to know which mm -hmm. is the correct one, and you just try. Yeah, share with us the philosophy of take my face off. Take my face off is uh, is very interested in being different, in pr promoting things that are different and getting people to think differently, the philosophy. You know, we say, we jokingly, kind of jokingly, kind of seriously say, we create reusable skin cleansing products that are totally genius. Mm -hmm. um, we, we want to stand out from the herd a little bit. We have to if we're gonna promote a new way of doing things. Um, but, so that's kind of the external one. The internal one is to always make responsible choices. I make a lot of choices regarding materials, regarding suppliers, uh, regarding how I mail something to an influencer in the mail. And I'm, I'm trying to, as much as possible, always do it the nicer way, the politer way, the planet-friendlier way. It's often the ex more expensive way. We've gotten some flack about the cost of our materials, but seriously, it's because we are in it for the long haul. That piece of fabric is in it for the long haul. It's quality. Yeah. In, um, it, it's. It's a series of, of tiny things. We don't sweat the tiny things. We're trying to create something overarching, but we're trying to do it correctly from the ground up. Yeah, that's amazing. Before we end, I'd like to ask, aside from Take My Face Off, what is your favorite beauty product? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> um, actually, there's a natural mascara that I love at the moment. Um, I seriously want to start a blog someday about why mm. I hate mascara. I have uh, oily skin, mm, and so ton okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should ask you things sometime okay. because so many product reviews are just they have nothing to do with me or my skin, and I get yeah. so frustrated. <laughs> um, and mascara, I love mascara, and it all ends up right here, raccoon, mm -hmm. mega raccoon eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but I found this natural brand that does not smudge. It's not waterproof, even without a primer. Uh, oh yeah, even with that. In fact, I use it as the primer occasionally for tubing mascara, mm -hmm. which I kind of hate tubing yeah. mascara. Um, but I'll use that as the primer instead of a white one that, that I have to cover. Uh -huh. So that one, um, I love Bite lip products. Yeah, I wish they're, you know, I, again, I like Clean Beauty. Bite's not quite clean, mm -hmm. but man, they work. And then I recently was turned on to Sarah Hap lip products. Uh, I don't love mineral oil, but you know what? That lip product is astonishing. Yeah. She actually sent me some products. It was amazing. I like all these yeah. really yummy, delicious, smelling lip products. They're wonderful. Well, they work. I So I have oily skin, yet the world's driest mouth. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the clarinet thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I can't live like, you know, if I were in a desert island, I would literally have to have one of those types of lip products. I have like three lip balms that I can live with. Anything else I just toss. Yeah. So where can they find you? What, what are your social um, channels? Um, everything is Take My Face Off. Take so just add Take My Face Off, all the channels. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you so much for your time today and spending time with us. Thank you. This is so much fun to talk about yeah. and lovely to talk with you. I really appreciate it.